This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose. Oh, I am Simon Rose. He is Steve Kaplan. We had a, a minor complaint from one of our listeners in uh, in Vancouver. Fraser, all that story about the the guy who faked the plane crash on YouTube. Yes. He said he said he already knew that, which which is slightly disappointing <laughs> in a sense. Except I take this as being very positive. I'm assuming then that means that everything else he hears every week he's never heard before. Exactly. For so the past what's new? Yes. episodes. Yes. Yes. Anyway, shout out to Fraser. Um, so what is new in the world of gadgets and gizmos? Well, what is new? Remember back in 2018, we talked about the SpaceX booster rockets uh, landing themselves. Vaguely. The, oh, it was very impressive to watch. Well, Rocket Lab, who are also putting things up in space, have got a new way of uh, not just disposing of booster rockets as they fall into the ocean. Yes. Booster rockets, I should explain, are the, the parts of a rocket that carry... The, the amount of fuel necessary to get things off the ground, which is a vast yes. amount of fuel and therefore needs a vast rocket tube. So all the all the bottom bits of the Saturn V uh, yes. rockets. The reason that... why rockets are so tall uh, is because of the, uh, the the boosters that carry all the fuel. Right. Yes. 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 Okay. There is a reason why rockets aren't wider, but I won't go into that now because it's complicated. Oh, okay. Good. I, I don't think I could cope today. Okay, so um, the uh, the rocket lab uh, now catches its booster with helicopters, which is wow. very clever. So what happens? The booster comes down, a little parachute pop, pops out the top of it, and yes. it starts to drift down. And a, and a helicopter goes from above with a dangling hook on a long rope, and it then hooks the booster rocket. And I've seen footage of it doing it. It did, however, then drop the booster rocket into the water. Which is not ah. ideal, uh, because well, it detected so. In other words, it's, in other words, it's sort of machine equivalent of me playing cricket. Exactly. Yes. You think you've got the catch, but you have. Yes, absolutely. How's that? No chance, well, matey. Uh, yes. Well, I presume that's still more efficient than the, the the system that NASA used to use, which was basically having most of the ships in the American fleet sort of hovering somewhere around the Atlantic or the Pacific in the hope that they knew where it dropped. Exactly. They didn't. Yes. I mean, they lost most of them. Of course, they're still rusting on the on the yes. seabed. Oh, well, I was thinking more of the capsules on top, I suppose, with the astronauts. Oh, no, they do yes, want to but the boosters, those, Yeah, yes. they never, yes, yeah. yes. Yes. Oh, well, that's impressive. It is quite impressive, apart from the fact that it dropped it. Yes, it was quite good. When you watch the, the footage, mm-hmm. you can't see it actually. And I, it took me some time to work out why you could never actually see it being carried home. And that's because they dropped it. They chose, chose <laughs> not to include that bit in their film. I'm surprised been, they... Uh, I'm surprised they told anybody about it in that case. I didn't oh. boast about my drop catches and crickets, believe me. No, well, maybe you should. Yeah. yeah. There were enough of them. Uh, meanwhile, in Paris, bad week for electric buses. They've taken 149 of them off the streets, not long mm. after they introduced them, because uh, last month, two of them caught fire. This is That's the a little unfortunate. in the roof, yes. 
good excuse for being late to work, I suppose. <laughs> my bus Sorry, I'm late. My bus caught fire, yes. <laughs> no, it certainly is. So there's lithium batteries again, which have a habit of, uh, of catching fire. That's why you're not allowed yes. to put lithium batteries in your hold luggage on a plane, but you can take them in hand luggage. Yes. Which is just as well, otherwise no phones would be allowed on planes. Yes, that's true. So you can't pack computers in hold luggage? I believe not, no. Hmm. Okay. Unless you take I'll the batteries out mind. first. You can always take the batteries out. Well, if it's yeah, if it's a computer that you can take batteries out, not all if of them. If it do, is a computer you can take yes, indeed, yes. which most of them most of them in fact you, you, you can't. So, so are all other e vehicles with lithium batteries? I mean, do we need to worry about these things catching fire all over the place? Or the yes, French is unfortunate. Oh, well, okay. I don't know, we don't. But it might happen, but it's not very likely to happen. I think with the buses well, two in a month. Uh, yeah, I think there's a, a design fault. That's why they've taken them all off before they so they can find out exactly what okay. the was. Right. But lithium batteries, of course, the problem with lithium batteries, and they're very good, they don't have the memory effect. So if you have a lithium-powered power tool, mm -hmm. then if you pick it up after not having used it for six months, it will still have all its charge, unlike the NICADs that preceded them. I um, lithium batteries, of course, they take a long time to charge, or do they? Well, the University of Science and Technology in China have redesigned mm -hmm. the anode of lithium batteries. Um, they've made a porous design with the graphite particles that are computer modeled to be of the optimum size and arrangement. And they're replacing the, uh, the graphite and copper with pure lithium, which not only will give the batteries 10 times the capacity, but also allow them to charge up 60% in six minutes, which is Ooh. very good news. Very yes, good news. that's extraordinary. Yes. And is this one of these, you might see it in 10 years, jobs? It is just one of those things. Oh, okay. China, of course, uh, does supply a lot of the world's lithium, but by no means all of it. They are the fourth largest supplier of lithium behind Argentina, Australia and Chile. Chile has eight times the amount of lithium as China does. Isn't that interesting? Yes, I didn't know that. It is nowhere near eight times the size. Yeah. Hmm. I thought China owned quite a lot of the lithium mines in other countries. That's also quite possible, yes. Yes, and lots of other rare metals as well. They and seem to have yes. been rather yeah, thinking rather far forward, unlike many other countries well, deciding that people yes. would need these. Yes. yes. Okay, well, I guess um, we probably would have one of these. So, down to earth, you may have seen... Google Street Mappers, people who prepare the images for Google Street. Sometimes you have the cars going around. I've seen the, I've seen the camera cars. I haven't seen anything else. Have you seen the people with backpacks? No. There are people with backpacks who walk around places where cars can't go, pedestrian areas, yes. for example. Um, and these backpacks do what the cars do, and they take lots of photographs, and then mm -hmm. they have clever software that stitches them all together, and they're all GPS marked so they know exactly where the photograph was taken. And that's how they do street view in places where cars can't go. But what do you do if you're trying to map the moon? Because there's well, no GPS on the moon. Why would anybody be trying to map the moon? There's nobody there. Well, no, that's because no one can find their way around, I expect. <laughs> right, OK. Anyway, for the odd uh, astronaut that gets lost, they are trying to do just that. And the answer could be to get the knack. This is the knack standing for kinematic navigation and cartography knapsack. Right. That would be a good wordle word, wouldn't it? Knack with two Ks in it. Take you quite a long time to get that. Yeah, yes, but I imagine it's not in the dictionary, thank goodness. Knack. Yes, of course it is. 
You said two K. Oh yes, I see. Sorry, K at the beginning, K at the end. I thought this was some weird thing that was using double K together. No, no, yes, no. Kinematic with a K. Navigation yes, yeah, yeah. and cartography. Knapsack. It's a very good one. It's from, from NASA, and it uses a, a frequency modulated continuous wave. Uh, so it's lidar, effectively. And it right. can do a 3D map of the moon without any GPS. So it does have the astronauts walking around with these backpacks on. But unless things have changed, I remember when they walked <laughs> around on the moon, they yes. didn't sort of walk as you might walk if you're trying to map, you know, a pedestrian precinct on Earth. No. You, you sort of bounce along. Bounce isn't along, that a bit yes. of a problem? I imagine it is, yes. But oh, I mean, we need to rethink what, that. This is what NASA are choosing to, uh, to spend their money on. So, yes. you know. Good well, probably everybody at NASA is probably too young to remember going to the moon in the first place. They, what, gosh, what whippersnappers. A, what a thought. Yes. And if you thought that was a waste of money, how about... <laughs> how high do you think a robot can jump? Well, this is an existential <laughs> question that I'm it sure is, yes. many people are pondering at this very moment. Well, I don't know. Uh, 20 feet. 20 feet. That's quite a lot, 20 feet. All right, feet. 10 then. Huge. Well, the University of uh, California have been puzzling over this and they have made the world's not just highest jumping robot, but the highest jumping anything ever. This robot can jump higher than anything has ever jumped before on this planet. Okay, I still have no idea how high that would be. 30 meters, 100 feet. Oh, well, so 20 was on the way. It was on the way. It's very clever. So it's a cone, a little bit like a toy rocket, that is fixed onto two intersecting carbon fibre hoops. And these carbon fibre hoops are strung together with what looks like rubber bands, but probably aren't. Mm -hmm. And there's a string going from the little rocket down to the bottom of the hoop assembly mm -hmm. with a little motor. And the motor compresses the carbon fibre hoop as it winds the string into itself. Yes. Can you, can you picture that? Sort of, yes. And then it releases it, and it jumps up. Not only does it go 30 metres up in the air, but it does 0 to 60 in 9 milliseconds. Take that, Tesla. Wow, Take so you don't, want to be, you don't want to be... You don't want to be... After you light, lit the blue touch paper, you don't want to sort of peering, <laughs> come back and think, why is it not working? You absolutely don't. No, otherwise you you'd go up don't. part of the 100 metres with it, I imagine. Yes, and I'm sure there will be... Dastardly military uses for uh, for this, but uh, there we go, jumping robots. Hmm. It's a good thing. Well, yes. And what has somebody developed a use for these jumping robots? You say military use, but what else could you want a jumping robot for? I cannot imagine. I imagine seeing, seeing into your neighbour's garden, but um, I can't think of anything else. I would buy one as a toy, wouldn't you? Yeah. Oh yes, I can see them as toys. Yes. But not if they're costing sort of you know sixty thousand pounds a time. Well, no, the thing is there are two carbon fibre hoops and some rubber bands. It looks very... I could probably make it myself. All right, we'll come back to us and talk, talk about it when you've done it. I will come back when I've done it. I will certainly give it a go. Well, it can't be difficult getting hold of a carbon fibre hoop. Two carbon fibre hoops? Well... Mind you, when you found one, you, you, you yes, found you two. Probably, you? Yes, 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 absolutely. That could be the difficult part. Yeah. Good, I'd like to look forward to that. Excellent. Here's a good thing. Here's a good thing coming up. Mm. Wind turbines. I mean, we've seen wind turbines. They're huge. They have vast arms. Yes. And they catch the wind. And when it's windy, then they produce electricity. And when it's not windy, uh, they don't produce electricity. You know how they turn them off, by the way? When they've got more electricity they can handle, they can turn the wind turbines off. And they just put a brake on, by, don't they? No, they rotate the blades. So that oh, the blades right. are no longer uh, against oh, the wind. Clever. Oh, very clever. 
Anyway, there is a new use for wind turbines, uh, which is being installed on the A442 in Shropshire. It is a, an A-road, mm-hmm. and they, the, these turbines catch the breeze from passing cars. So as the cars Ooh. go along, they push air in front of them. They are not uh, the arms sticking out kind of turbines, but these are vertical turbines. So they are, if you imagine a cylinder, maybe uh, two or three feet high with louvers going down it. Yes. So when the wind comes from any direction, or the breeze in this case, it spins them around, and they are mounted around streetlights. So they have put 181 of these onto street, street lamps in the middle of the road, Yes. Um, and this will do more than powering Telford's entire 20,000 capacity streetlights. That seems very impressive. It I presume it's got some impressive. backup if, if the wind isn't actually blowing. But, but yeah, that doesn't really Well, if the wind isn't blowing, obviously they're not generating any electricity. But no, yes. it's not the wind, it's the cars going past. Oh, yes, cars. Yes, okay. from the car. It is absolutely well, ingenious. Except uh, at night, this... of course, there'll be fewer cars. There will be fewer cars, but there'll still be some. But if it is, but, uh, works, then they could put them as standard on all of Britain's motorways, yes. and it could generate vast amounts of electricity. That does seem very impressive. Absolutely ingenious. And but I've just, had, I've just had an even more ingenious idea. Oh, dear. You remember when we used to get the beach as kids? We used to get those little sort of windmilly things that would go round. A lot of people on ge- sandcastles. Yeah. Yes, a lot of people object to wind turbines as being ugly because they often get sighted in, in you know, rather beautiful parts of the country because that's often where it's windiest. Yes. Well, why don't they make giant versions of those windmills we used to have on the beach and then more people <laughs> would like them? Um, do you really want to know? No, maybe not. I'll just have a quick break. You can, you can, <laughs> you can tell me later. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. You're listening to Gadgets and Gizmos. Um, he's Steve Kaplan. I've just had yet another brilliant idea shot down in flames. Uh, yes. Yes, it would be so, in flames. If they built a very large one of those, it would be uh, shooting itself down in flames <laughs> in a very short time. If uh, you compare the very huge uh, rotors that on those little fan mm. fans with the very long, thin ones that are on wind turbines, you might notice that you can't just scale those things up. Anyway, great let shame. us leave that and let us move on to chocolate. Chocolate. Okay, happy stuff, to do chocolate. that. And um, a lot of the world's best chocolate, we are told, comes from Switzerland because they want to tell us about things other than um, money laundering. Cuckoo clocks, and, and yes, cuckoo clocks. Yes, yes, yes. Well, the Zurich University of Applied Science has been looking into ways of making chocolate even better. Mm-hmm. So normally, the way that cocoa beans are harvested, and I must admit I didn't know this before, before this week, is they take the cocoa beans, they cover them in banana leaves to ferment, and the microbes in the banana leaves 
break down uh, the pulp in the cocoa beans to make them less bitter. Okay. Well, now Zurich University of Applied Sciences have thought must be a better way of doing that. So they have tried a moist incubation where they, they take the beans, they dry them, they break them into chunks, they rehydrate them in an acidic solution, then they heat them for 72 hours, and then they dry them again. And the result is a chocolate that um, their, their test subjects reported as being more fruity, flowery, and malty. Compared mm. with which, compared with which, the control chocolate, regular chocolate, their test subjects described as having a primarily green aroma. So we're going to notice our, our CDMs tasting different anytime soon, or is this another one that's... Um... Well, I, I imagine so. I'm just trying to imagine what a primarily green aroma actually means. I have because... no idea. But then, you, but then, you know, any anybody who um, smells wine for a living comes up with all these phrases that nobody understands. Have you ever tried when you have a bottle of wine with friends, getting everybody to suggest after tasting the wine what they think might be on the label? Because the label always says <laughs> it's got the that. aroma of. Nobody yeah. ever guesses, except cat pee occasionally. Yes. <laughs> well, wait that long you kept the wine, yeah. I suppose. Well, I'm going to use that in future. A primarily green aroma. The primarily, yes. Yeah. I mean, of all the words to apply to aroma, green is not one that actually means anything at all to me. No. no. There we go. Let us move on to our crowdfunding time of the week. Well, let's have a fanfare then. <laughs> And these are on Indiegogo. They are Voicey glasses. Now, what do you think Voicey glasses might do? Talk to you. Yes. And Say, watch out, know. watch out. There's somebody, somebody, don't step off the pavement. There's a car coming. They don't. They oh. are glasses for the deaf. Okay. And what they do is they listen to what people around you are saying, translates it into text, which it then puts up in augmented reality on the, on the lens in front of you. Wow, that's clever. Wow, isn't that clever? Yes. It has to be said, they are remarkably chunky, ugly-looking glasses. It's to be hoped that they actually refine the design before they... Well, yes, but the first time out. anybody comes up with something like this, it's often not quite the finished yes. product. Yeah. Very good. Uh, they're not cheap. 512 euros, at four, £430 thereabouts. And, uh, and they can translate the world's five most popular languages. So if you were, if you were, you know, hard of hearing and you are in a situation where you can't hear people, then you can join in because you can have these glasses that give you the text. I think they're terribly clever. Fantastic. I wonder if it can get with accents, though. I don't We've had know. a few of these voice recognition things that have trouble once you get away from the southeast of England. Well, that's true. But you remember some time ago we talked about Otter, which is the... Uh, the phone app that translates... Oh, I do. I, I tried it a few ...transcribes times. in live... live mm. uh, yes. Live text. Well, you could just have that in front of you, couldn't you? And rather than having these chunky glasses, you could just glance at your phone to see what people are saying. Well, possibly. Oh, come on. I've just saved you 512 euros. Not <laughs> well, well yeah, possibly. I wasn't just about to get it, but yes, OK. Yes, yes. thank you for saving me 512 euros. You're welcome. Well, spend yeah, it all frankly, you said me an absolute fortune. I didn't buy that yacht that flew last week. Uh, no. You, you saved didn't. me millions. I saved tens of millions, probably, yeah. even though they wouldn't reveal the price. Yes. Indeed. Let's have another one of these. Okay. Ooh. 
And we are crawling into the world of virtual reality, as we so often do on this program. And it is a new uh, VR system developed by Carnegie Mellon University's Future Interfaces Group. And if yeah. someone, you know, wouldn't it be good if you're at a party and someone says, what do you do? I work at the Future Interfaces Group. Fig. Fig. Yes, yeah, I don't give a fig. Group. Mm. group. Group is not, the wrong word at the end. Future yes. Interfaces Initiative, perhaps. Or Yes. Yes. Fee. Or something beginning with T, then it's fit. I work at fit. Yes, I work at fit. Yes. Yes. I do my bit at fit. No, it wouldn't work either. Or, anyway, um, I'm sure they've got better things to do than try and rebrand their name. I mean, my courier has just changed his name from Hermes to Every. It seems to be even less efficient than before. So let them, <laughs> let them stick with the clunky name. They're probably all the better for it. They probably are. And uh, so what they've been doing is working a VR system where, as well as seeing virtual worlds, you can also feel them in your mouth. Well, I don't tend to feel the world in my mouth most of the time anyway. Well, no, that is a good point. That is certainly a good point. There's something that certainly puzzled me about it. What except, the do, odd, except the odd green aroma when I have chocolate. <laughs> they have a standard uh, VR headset mm. uh, that they use. It looks like the uh, Oculus uh, to me. Yeah. And um, they have fixed 64 ultrasound transducers underneath it, which emit acoustic waves. So it doesn't actually touch your mouth but it fires sort of ultrasound at your mouth from above. And they say it can replicate such things as drinking from a water fountain, mm. kissing, mm. and having a spider walk across your lips. Oh, because we all want to reproduce that. <laughs> I mean, ugh. Seriously? So, hang on, Steve. Well, we've, we've both been around for a few decades. Have you yes. ever actually knowingly had a spider walk across your lips? Not knowingly. So and how do we even happened... know if it was realistic? <laughs> well, I think we could probably guess what it feels like. Not, I, not I think the problem is they settled on 64 first. And once they got to about 48, they thought, we can't think of anything else now. So they were just getting sillier and sillier. No, no. These are 64 transducers. These are not Oh, 64 not 64 different. different oh, no, right, right. Sorry. Sorry. Depends on, okay. on how the uh, how the transducers beam at your mouth. Right. Anyway, I don't think we're going to see this anytime soon. And I don't think we're going to see it ever, frankly, because it is... King from water, the, the simulation of drinking from a water fountain when you aren't actually getting any liquid must be rather peculiar. It must or, be very... Or indeed yeah. the simulation of... Ki the idea of simulating kissing when there's another person, I suppose. But. No, yes. Well, isn't it amazing what they'll think of? What will they think of next? What will they think of next? Well, we'll, well that's, next that's week, actually... Yes, yes. <laughs> well, I'm hoping we'll find out a few more then now. Well, we will indeed. We're going to move on to uh, Robot Chefs. Because we like robot chefs, you like want robot, robot chefs. chefs. Ever These since are... ever since you went to a restaurant that had a conveyor belt, you you oh, you want your food to be completely automated. I know exactly. Well, this is a development from Cambridge University, so it's not one of the wackier uh, outfits out there, and it's for automated food production. Mm. So you know, ready meals, kind of things you get in supermarkets yes. or airline meals, that kind of thing. Yes. They're not actually made by chefs in those those ridiculous hats that they wear and their check trousers that they sometimes for some reason go for these <laughs> yes. days. Yes, uh, but they are made by an automated process. But how do you know if they've got the right combination of ingredients? The robot chef has been trained to taste scrambled eggs at several stages of the production. Uh, to, to rate the amount of seasoning, decide if there's too much or too little. Right. Is there right. some reason that having a robot chef is better than just having a chef? 
Well, because it's an automated process and you can't really have chefs in their, oh, in their okay, hats and check so. trousers around sticking their fingers into uh, to people's ready meals to, uh, to see I if they've got the right so. amount of seasoning. I don't know. I, it's, it's a solution to a problem that I admit I didn't know existed. Mm. Yes. Well, I'm Should glad we they've a, sorted it out. I hope, that, I hope they dress then, the robot in check trousers and a silly hat. Uh, Shall yeah. we have a, uh, a a very quick solution to a problem that I certainly didn't know existed? This is for people who leave their babies in their cars. Oh God, nobody should leave it. No, of course they car. shouldn't. Of course they shouldn't. This is the Infalert, uh, which you can get from infalert.com.au. It's made in Australia, and it consists of a key fob. Yes. And a sensor, and the sensor you put beneath the car seat that you put your infants in. Hmm. And if the key fob senses that you've got more than 10 metres away from the sensor, then it vibrates and tells you that you left your baby in the car. Oh, good. So it's, it's not for people who leave baby in cars. I mean, it's not something to help no. No. assuage the baby while it's there. It's to prevent you from... Well, given that we actually had a very good friend who set off on holiday and had gone several miles before they realised one of their two children wasn't in the car, oh. I think that's per perfectly feasible. The baby tends to cry, so you're more likely to notice. Yes, but yeah. no, they left their son Andrew, who's now a well, judge. It's available now, three hundred and sixty-nine <clears throat> Australian dollars, which is just <laughs> somewhere over two hundred quid. Which is, I mean, if you're the kind of person who's used to leaving their babies in the car, you should certainly get one. Or you could just remember not to leave your baby in the car. Well, that's true. But given that I'm buying umpteen of those tile devices you mentioned, because I keep leaving things all over the place, maybe it'd be uh, useful. Except, of course, I don't have any babies anymore. Perhaps uh, just as well. In my memory, <laughs> yeah. So that's another two hundred quid I've saved. Go, you've saved me a lot of money this week. Thank you very much indeed. That's it from Steve Capin and myself, Simon Rose. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose.